0: Hey, it's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Let's continue our path on education, and in this respect, as we do every two weeks, with Black History 365 at bh365.org, written by Dr. Walter Milton, Jr. and Dr. Joel A. Freeman. And the second line, as I remind everyone, that really matters, the tagline to the cover of this book, An Inclusive Account of American History. But I want to go a little bit wider for Unit 4, which we'll cover with Dr. Joel Freeman today, and that is how important education is to, one, reporting accurately when it comes to history, clarifying and countering wrong information and false narratives and what it means to culture culture isn't new culture is and always will be a part of any society since the dawn of humankind whether it was nomadic times agrarian industrialization and now in the technology phase but history teaches us that if we don't teach history correctly No matter what age, age of reason, unreason, dark or otherwise, it's dangerous. So, Joel, the value of culture, before we get into the details and some of the components and parts of Unit 4, you know, how important is understanding culture, not just for black history, but culture for an integrated history?
1: It's extremely important. I've um, as, as one studies back into, uh, for instance, when the, uh, I, the when the Romans pretty much dominated the world uh, militarily, it was the Greeks who controlled the culture, and so it could be uh, um, argued that uh, the Greeks actually controlled the world because of the cultural uh, approach that they took. And so I think that when it comes to Uh, understanding uh, how education and politics and social media and all of these things uh, and the media itself uh, come together and they create, uh, we have this, this, this culture here. And uh, there's always good elements and there's always bad elements. And there's some elements that are kind of in between, but I think it's important when we look at, at music, when we look at entertainment uh, all of this impacts the culture, and uh, I've traveled uh, well over 55 countries around the world. And it's just uh, amazing to me to see uh, – uh, I remember once being in, right in the middle of, of Africa and uh, uh, just seeing someone with a T-shirt that uh, that was advertising a fast food restaurant at the time. And um, I was thinking, wow, here in the middle of nowhere – i'm I'm now you know here's the American culture right here in front of me and so it's it's pretty fascinating to uh, to consider how important it is for uh, the culture to be impacted in a way that can help prosper and to to bring hearts and minds toward freedom and that's what it's really all about is the the freedom of thought, the freedom of activity the uh, the freedom to uh, to try the right to try and to fail to succeed and to uh, to encourage each other.
0: The evolution of societies in this sense is important, and you know what you've done with this project, this book, this ten-unit course, Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, is not exclude. A deeper understanding, the technology, the QR codes, the links, the, the what, over 3,000 documents and artifacts uh, from your collection, uh, from other collections. I mean, this, this is an exploration into so much more than just black history. And I think it's important that all pay attention because this is not segmented or relegated to one group.
1: True. It's, um, what we did, uh, uh, first of all, uh, Dr. Milton is a dear, dear friend. And you can imagine, you know, two and a half years of 12, 16 hour days. And most every morning, two 30, in the morning, we're saying good night. He's down in Arlington, Texas with a wife and three kids. I'm in Maryland with my wife and an uh, empty nest. And, uh, and we're, we're just, uh, Uh, checking in with each other to make sure, you know, what we're going to do the next day. And you can imagine anything and everything that we discuss, because you look at the wide range of topics throughout the entire textbook, we had to go deep and wide. So we developed something, because when we're dealing with issues that have vexed our country for centuries, it is so easy to become too militant or not militant enough. It's very easy to get go up, kind of Pollyanna-ish, and just kind of say, oh, everything was – was uh, okay. kind of put a gloss over everything. Or go down and become way too depressing and shame-filled and angry and just uh, in the pit. Or too right, too left uh, in terms of politically. And uh, so that it becomes agenda-driven, you know, to, to kind of uh, parse certain words and to um, – to kind of come at it in a way that it kind of leans to the right or to the left, or it's you know trying to prove a point of some sort, a, a point that is is germane to our current situation, let's say. So what we did is we developed something called the Razor's Edge, and we called it Truth Centrism. And um, Truth Centrism is uh, it's it's not the destination; it's the essence of the journey, and it's the whole idea of uh, critiquing and uh, defi- first defining Afrocentrism and then defining Eurocentrism and then critiquing Afrocentrism and critiquing Eurocentrism and then introducing the whole concept of, of uh, truth-centrism. And, and truth-centrism, tr- truth-centrism basically is whatever is true, that is what we're going with. And uh, we we wrestled with different aspects, you know, when it came to politics, for instance, uh, we have a whole section, a whole, uh, I think it's the next unit, black people in the deadly dance with both American political party machines, both American political party machines. And uh, so that's the approach that we tried to take, David, and uh, by uh, by the measures of, uh, you know, when you're in a jar, you can't read the label. And people are reading the label for us, and, and it just seems like people on the right, people on the left, people in between, um, the response, from educators. We had the, the former VP of Houghton Mifflin just study uh, the textbook for two and a half months and then came back to us and said it was the finest textbook he'd ever seen. And, and uh, it's humbling. It brings tears to our eyes to see the potential impact that this can have for generations and now the K through 8 will be done by this fall. And so we'll have a full K through 8 and, and the 9 through 12. And then also, this textbook is being used in Morehouse and some other colleges and universities around the country up to the end of the sophomore year. So we're very, very pleased and excited and, uh, and grateful.
0: Let's tee up the next unit now, Joel, and I'll turn it over to you. Unit four. We've covered three units so far. We started with. Africa, because if you're going to go and teach the history, you have to start at the beginning. Uh, but let's go to unit four again. Part of a ten. This is a ten-unit course load, folks. It's amazing when you go through it. And again, you can get more information at bh365.org. But go ahead, Joel. I'll turn it over to you.
1: Well, I think the the, the beauty of unit four is it talks about the uh, you know what happened after the emancipation and we have the proclamation. And then of course uh, a proclamation has to be uh, backed up by, by law, by amendments. And so it began to emerge, the 13th, the 14th and the 15th amendment emerged over time. But um, it's the whole idea of what is going to happen now to all the individuals that are being released throughout the entire country and uh, especially the South, of course. But it, it all got started, really, uh, with General General Sherman and his march to the sea. <clears throat> and he broke the, the back of the infrastructure of the Southern Confederacy, uh, their economy, the roads, the transportation, the uh, communication systems. And it was truly, uh, I mean, uh, it, it was just a... a, a a wrecking machine that they they went through, and that's really what caused the uh, capitulation at Appomattox. And then what uh, began to emerge is that uh, <clears throat> you have the the forty acres and a mule that was promised, and that was a, a whole region of the country uh, going down to Florida, from the Carolinas down to the floor, to Florida, and that was a uh, basically a broken promise. And so now we have. You know, today we talk about reparations and we, um, you know, there, there are, are pros and cons. And what we do in the textbook and what we can do here also is, is not tip the hand one way or the other, but we, what we wanted to do is to uh, help people, students especially, to become critical thinkers, compassionate listeners, fact-based, respectful communicators, and action-oriented solutionists. And then uh, what we've done is um, wherever there's a binary choice, such as with reparations, we provide both sides. And we talk about the types of reparations, you know, the return to sovereignty or political authority, uh, having like they did in South Africa, they had truth commissions and uh, some group entitlements, community development programs, money transfer, property transfer or some combination of the, first, uh, of, of the six options that were just mentioned. And, uh, and then what we did is we, we showed, um, we have QR codes that are four, there's four that are for reparations, four that are against. So you have on one side, Danny Glover, testifying before the House Judiciary Committee on reparations. On the other side, you have Burgess Owens, testifying about reparations at the uh, at the congressional hearing. And uh, and you have different perspectives. And once again, it's to to cause students to to think about both sides and to really take a look at both sides, because this, there's not an easy answer or response to this. Uh, and people can have knee jerk responses and say, well, I'm for it or I'm against it. But then the follow up question is, why? Why? Well, here's I mean, a what's question, the end Joel, defining what's it.
0: Here's, here's a question, you know, and I thought about this when you said 40 acres and a mule, and I think of where we are today, I could probably use the 40 acres, be nice to have, not so sure about the mule, I don't have a use for one, but back then, time <laughs> in milieu, that promise, that broken promise, as you call it, mattered, because back then, the mule was very relevant, transportation and labor, The 40 acres was land and ownership and the ability to support yourself. We were more agricultural as a nation at that time. So the definition of reparation has evolved with the time, but it seems to remain to still be in that binary argument. So is there even an attempt or a way to define what reparations means in modern time?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, we can talk about uh, Black Wall Street, and what happened there, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Frazier. Uh, he was uh, he was Garrison Frazier, was a Baptist minister. And when they had a the meeting in, in February of 1865, uh, you had uh, Vice President Andrew uh, Johnson uh, took the place of, of Lincoln because Lincoln had been assassinated. And so uh, then you had uh, different folks that were at this meeting. Uh, and uh, the meeting occurred in a place whereby uh, you had General Rufus Saxton, uh, uh, you know, in the Savannah uh, Second African Baptist Church, and uh, they, had, they had four days of conversation. And it was promised that each black family would receive ownership of 40 acres uh, of tillable land and a mule. And here is Fraser's response at the end of four days. And I actually, in my collection, on page 337, I have a uh, – a, a, uh, there is a, uh, an article that is placed in there that, was, that actually shows what they talked about in this meeting on the fourth day. And, it said, and here's what his response was when they asked him directly, what do you want? He said, I would prefer – this is a quote – I would prefer to live by ourselves, for there is a prejudice against us in the South that will take years to get over. But I cannot, I cannot answer for my brethren. Um, and, and he, he, but he basically said that they just want to be left alone and give us our land and then leave us alone. That was really their whole idea of reparations. And I don't know how that translates into today, but I do know that there are individuals that I know that have bought uh, big tracts of land and bringing people on uh, to, to buy houses on that land and to kill it and to uh, come together. You know, there's so many different practical approaches to this, and I, I really don't – you know, you talk to one person and you get one perspective, another person, another perspective. Um, I, I just prefer, you know, in the educational realm – for people to, to take a look at the sides and then to discuss it amongst themselves and come up with some individual and collective wisdom on the topic. because I think well, keep, Like we're doing right money, now. To get money is, is a cheap uh, response. Uh, I think to have that without education uh, being uh, dealt with and other aspects, other layers dealt with, I think is a, is a very uh, – it's just not the way to go, in my opinion.
0: You know, just to continue that for a moment, and I want to go to your choice for the elephant experience next. We do that with every unit. Uh, but, you know, when you think about what you've just said and what we're discussing, Back then, choice was limited. Blacks couldn't travel everywhere as freely as they could today. And yes, there are challenges even today. Today, we have a different different nation, a different society. We've evolved. So choice is more available, but you need a foundation for that choice. You need education and economic capability. So, and if we're going to address these issues, you're right, as complex, not binary, not from a binary perspective of just pro or con, then we need to understand how you would actually make it work. You know me, Joel, I'm a big process guy. If you can't tell me what the process is, if you can't tell me how this will be applied, don't just give me a word and say, this is what we need.
1: True. And I think, for instance... um I know I I was a uh, a minister for a number of years in inner city Baltimore and dealt with uh, situations where people would come to the door and want something and found out that the best way to really help people was to form a coalition of churches and congregations and then to be able to truly help someone. So if someone needed their uh, rent to be paid, well, without stripping someone of their dignity and self-respect – go through a, uh, a program where they learn about uh, financial literacy and uh, so that this is not a, a pro- problem that will happen next month and the following month and the following month to get at the root. What is the root of what's happening here? And so uh, we really banded together to, to, to help, as you called about a process approach to helping people. So I think that, um, you know, on this particular topic, Uh, Once again, I I defer it to uh, the classroom where students will be, because we've given enough material uh, for students to wrestle with this in a way that I think is very productive, more healing than divisive.
0: You know, I'm going to go beyond students. Adults need this. I know I learn every time I go through these various units, 1,248 pages, QR codes, technology integrated into this project, Uh, Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history. All right, so let's wrap with your elephant experience choice from Unit 4.
1: Wow. There's a few um, you know, there's this one on on uh, lynching that we uh, discussed the statistics provided by the archives in uh, Tuskegee Institute. And uh, <clears throat> what is astonishing is that 44 out of the 44 states where the numbers of, of lynchings were were shared were mentioned, 23 of those states reported more white people being lynched than black people. And uh, so when people get the book on page 420, it's pretty astonishing that people uh, most uh, I didn't know it until I, I researched it and understood what was happening. But I'd like to talk about the the Hilden, uh, the Tilden Hayes presidential election of 1876. And that was a situation is kind of like a perfect political storm because we had uh at this point, you know, somewhere, the, the, the statistics show that somewhere between 620,000 and 750,000 soldiers had died from combat, from accident, from starvation, from disease during the, the Civil War. So it was a bitter, bitter conflict that en- had ended less than a decade prior. So one can only imagine the, the attitudes, the feelings that were happening in the country. So uh, Hayes won the, the popular vote, I mean, won the, the electoral vote, and Tilden won the popular vote. And what happened is that, uh, uh, you know, all of these numbers were very close, the percentages, and they didn't know quite what to do. So what happened is that uh, I'm sure there's many backroom meetings with cigar smoke filling the rooms and, and people doing some horse trading as they do in Congress and the Senate. Behind the scenes, before people vote on something, and and what happened is that um, the the Democrats ultimately came to the um, uh, the Republicans and said, "Listen, guys, we will let you be president, uh, Hayes, if you will take the troops from the South who are um, who are are protecting all the laws." that are protecting black people, if you'll take them from the South and kind of release us to, to be who we are, then, um, you know, you can be president. And, but what complicated matters is that the, the Democrats in these this post-Civil War states had won the state's election, but mostly by violence and black voter intimidation. And black Southerners were associated with the Republican Party, And they were threatened by paramilitary groups of the Democrats in order to suppress the vote. And uh, for instance, in, in one parish in Louisiana, the majority of registered voters at the time were black yet the election results accounted for only one Republican vote for the entire parish. And then in South Carolina had the red shirts and the KK, they were in full force both day and night uh, making sure that the black people didn't vote In, in Florida. The Democrats used handouts with uh, Tilden's picture, you know, kind of decorated with GOP symbols to trick illiterate, uh, you know, the, the former slave black Americans into voting for Tilden. And um, in Louisiana, uh, Florida and South Carolina ballot boxes were stuffed with Democrat, Democrat votes. And so they, they uh, some observers, you know, they, they viewed this as a blatant attempt to reverse the results of the Civil War. And, uh, you know, had the 1876 election been fraud free, Hayes and the Republicans may have not won, only won the three, those three contested states, but also some of the other southern states as well. Uh, But both party machines, eh, they claimed victory. And what happened, this raged for months. And then finally, the uh, Republicans said, okay, we will accept this, uh, this compromise. And that's when all hell broke loose in the South. And it, it, um, you know, it was broken. The impasse was broken. Um, And uh, what what happened was that it just was racist white control throughout the South. And we can see that starting in the late 1860s, you had the 13th and the 14th and 15th amendments. They had to be enforced in the South, which is no easy task, as I mentioned. But, um, the Republicans, they felt the weight of responsibility to protect the basic civil rights of black families and their white Republican neighbors envisioned in the Emancipation Proclamation. And um, so initially you had uh, about 15,000 federal soldiers, and that was reduced in 1870 by 6,600. And by 1876, it was down to 3,000. But uh, when those 3,000 were brought north, that's when all hell broke loose. So that's, that's the one thing. And, and, you know, some people might draw parallels, uh, you know, to uh, the most recent election. I, I don't do that. But it's, it's a very fascinating thing to look at and to see, you know, how the popular people now against electoral college and some people for the electoral college and uh and and the 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 debate still rages but that to me is was a a, this, a seminal movement which showed to me the weakness of the republican party and that, and going back to the the black people in the deadly dance with both american political party machines i think that both american political party machines need to repent and and to to face up to it you know of what they have done to black people at the expense of black people. And I think if there was an honest uh, admission and repentance, along with this is what we're going to do about it, I I think that it would would really help to open up, you know, the grip that the media and others are trying to bring about this uh, black versus white, white versus black, you know, racial divide in our country.
0: Fascinating history, the truth as it's told, things you've never heard. These are the facts that are there for everyone. That's why we're doing this series with uh, Walter Milton and Joel Freeman. Uh, Joel, my friend, uh, we'll keep going down this path together, but the people need an education uh, on history and this inclusive history. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much, David. And uh, we really, uh, I wish Walter was able to be with us today uh, to hear his voice to hear his passion, to hear his wisdom, I think is, is, uh, uh, you know, is a deficit today, just not hearing that. (laughs) I I just really love to have him part of everything that we do. But, uh, uh, you know, it's just been a a wonderful process. And and thank you for being part of this process now, getting the word out to uh, people around the country and around the world.
0: Thank you, Joel. Dr. Joel Freeman and also Dr. Walter Milton, both authors of black history 365 an inclusive account of american history i think you just heard a fascinating account of why this is an inclusive account we'll be back you can join me live on the david webb show monday to friday nine to noon east on SiriusXM
1: patriot 125